Please join with me in prayer. Lord God, we have turned aside to worship you, to celebrate who you are and all the grace, all the goodness that you pour into our lives. And sometimes we are ready to receive that and openly acknowledge it. And sometimes we are running the other way. We are concerned with other things. And sometimes we just don't get it. But in this moment, as we've turned aside, I pray and ask that, that you create in us a stillness, a presence in this moment to be present to you in what you might be saying to us. So come now, Lord, and speak. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I woke up this morning with one sermon, and it completely changed by the time I got here. Um, scripture passage, everything. So what is written there is in no way a reflection of, of, of what is about to, to come. And uh, the, the reflection I have today, where we are, as we show up here, the, um, the reflection just might be turned, uh, termed uh, a reflection on God's goodness. So I began, I began maybe thinking about this sermon um, Friday morning when I woke up. And I don't know about you, but I looked out to see snow on the lawn. And look, I love snow. There is no amount of snow that I don't like. I'm that person that loves driving out in the snow. But I was perturbed. And I think it was because winter decided to encroach on my favorite season. I mean, think about how many great things there are in fall. Uh, apple picking, or at least the idea of apple picking. Um, going to get some cider, sitting outside at a, at a campfire where it's nice and crisp as you step further away from the fire. There's so much to love, that smell that hangs in the air of leaves that are burning. But most of all, this season of fall is a, is a time where crops have grown to reach their potential. It's a season to gather them and store them. This is... This, is a harvest season, most of all, for us here in this place in North America. And it's a season where we celebrate. So many different cultures and people groups throughout time have had their own harvest festivals. Like persons and people groups in Asia who celebrate the gathering of rice. Or the Jewish people who celebrate Sukkot, which is one of the three major festivals, a time when the harvest is being gathered and they spend a whole week sleeping in a tent outside underneath the stars to remember their ancestors who traveled for years and years and years with no roofs over their head or the ability to plant crops in the ground. Many, many years, many, many years ago, the the Native Americans were the sole people here in this land, and they had, uh, from what I've learned, about three festivals, harvest festivals. One was the green corn 
Moon Festival, which was the celebration of the first harvest of corn that comes off the stock. And then you also have the, um, the harvest moon, where you have that plentiful one in, in autumn, but then also the wolf moon in January. All these festivals of harvest celebrating and marking time. Of course, in our own country, we have uh, Thanksgiving on the 4th. I constantly, throughout my life, thought it was the third Thursday. Um, and uh, that was always odd when I'd show up with a you know, pilgrim hat a week before Thanksgiving to school. But anyway, um, so we have it. And it's, and it's based in this tradition, in, in the tradition of giving thanks to God from whom all blessings flow and all things come forth from the earth. And it's changed for many different reasons, culturally and also maybe personally for your family. But one of the differences these days about Thanksgiving that's different from when it was first celebrated is that we are no longer in an agrarian society, no longer, you know, everybody planting, having their own garden or farm and planting crops and going out and harvesting them. No, we're in an industrial, in a technological society. And so we've become distanced from maybe the, the original kind of purposes of harvest festivals and gatherings that have taken place throughout time. But we shouldn't lose the intent and the value and the main reasons for having these festivals, which was to celebrate and give thanks. Because after all, one of the most defining parts of our life of faith is a spiritual character of gratitude, of thankfulness, of gratefulness. Every year here at Linwood, we take time to reflect for a couple weeks on the theme of gratitude, and we call it the season of stewardship. We do this because gratitude, like I said, one of the most defining characteristics of faith. It's said that the whole Christian life is one response of gratitude. It, because gratitude keeps us grounded in the grace that has claimed us. Gratitude has a clear vision of how God has provided for us, how God continues to save us, and how God sustains us in every way. Gratitude anchors us in hope and hopefulness that God will continue to care for us and see us through. Gratitude, and this is where we, we get the term for stewardship, is how we cultivate a spirit and a lifelong expression of thankfulness and showing God's love. Gratitude is the beginning of every spiritual fruit. And to just boil it down to the most rudimentary thing, gratitude is about our lives saying, thank you, God. Thank you. And my hope today is that we can think about what ways in which we're already saying thank you, God? And maybe about new expressions that are coming up in our life. And I think this is so important for this really intense, hypocritical moment of our life. So what's going to happen is I'm going to read Psalm 65 which is a psalm of praise, a psalm of thanksgiving, a psalm that would have been read at different festivals of harvest because it just drips with joy. And I want this to be a moment where these words lead you and guide you in reflection on your own life and the world. I'll give spaces, uncomfortable pauses even, 
to give you that space to think and reflect. And maybe, just maybe, we can celebrate again the things that we know God has provided, or maybe the Holy Spirit can help show us some things as well. Psalm 65. Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those who choose and bring near are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and all the farthest seas. You formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength. You stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks. The valleys are mantled with grain. And they all shout for joy and sing. What a great psalm. Psalm 65, overwhelming praise and joy. And it starts out with the person personally reflecting on what God has been to him or her. All praise belongs to you, O God, because you answer our prayers. And when we were overwhelmed by sin, you forgave them all. What joy it is that you bring us near. So I want to ask you, what times, moments, seasons of life come to mind for you when God heard a prayer. Maybe you were struck down, lost, down and out, headed down a, just a bad path, and God showed up. God showed up and helped Maybe it happened at one distinct moment, or maybe it happened over a season of your life. Was there a moment when all you could say was, thank you, God. Thank you for just being there for me. Thank you for seeing me through that. 
And maybe right now, if you're here, maybe you're at home, you, you can't say that because life's been particularly gift, difficult or there have been things that have maybe pushed you away from God or maybe you just have been unattentive. Well, this is a space right now in this sermon or when we go to the communion table l- later to be speaking from your heart to God. God, show me. Show me these good things that you've been doing in my life. Show me your goodness and kindness. Show me. Take space to pray those prayers because God does answer them. I imagine there are memories, there are things that are coming to mind that are on your heart right now, and I just ask you to lift that up and say, thank you, God. The psalmist, after thinking about his or her own own life, turns outward. Oh God, you are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. You formed the mountains by your power and armed yourself with might. You quieted the raging oceans, the pounding waves, the shouting of nations. Those at the ends of the earth, the vision here is everyone and everything stands in awe of you, O God, and wonder and shouts with joy. This vision of how far-reaching God's love and God's care is, is incredible. Drawing us to awe where there is literally nothing to say but a thousand praises spoken in silence. Thank you, God. Just take a moment to think about all the faces, all the places around the world that God not only created so beautifully and wonderfully well, but also loves beyond what we can even fathom. How incredible that truth is. Lastly, the psalmist begins reflecting on an image of agrarian culture, of water being poured into the earth, of seeds planted, and of life growing. God, you take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile, and you provide a bountiful harvest. You water its furrows and bless its growth. The pastures of the wilderness overflow and the hills are girded with joy. An overwhelming image of growth here, of blessing, of flourishing. And as I I thought about this, I noticed two things. First, there's there's a term called furrows, and I had no idea what this is. The furrows that are watered and blessed by God is a term for the long strip of land that a plow has created after it goes across the earth. So think of the long lines of dirt that are waiting for seed and soil and water and sun to grow. It says here that God waters them abundantly, blessing their growth 
And it makes me think about all the places of our lives where there is an order, right? There's an order to how planting happens and how it should be and when things are watered and there's a rhythm that's constant. And it makes me think of the things in our life where there's an order, a structure, where we work hard at something and in the end we see growth. It's a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing when our plans work out. Our plans to graduate from high school or college, to get that job and, and, and feel like we're in a field that we really truly love. The plans to retire. When couples plan to have a child and a pregnancy goes as planned. When there's an intention to change our lives for the better and it truly works out and we see better results in our life. Or when we see loved ones grow and flourish. All of these things, these examples, maybe there are different ones coming to your mind right now. These are orderly things that really come in our lives and we need to give thanks for. Thanks to God for providing, for creating and sustaining But there's another image here, the wilderness, the desolate place, the wild place, the place where it's dangerous and life is unexpected, it's fragile. It's an image for all the places we don't expect life to grow. What are those places? It's amazing, though, that throughout Scripture, again and again and again, it speaks of how God does create life there, whether it's dry bones that have flesh and sinew put back on them, or turning a grave into a garden full of life by raising his son. Again and again, Scripture describes how God can make plentiful life where there is none. And it might just take some effort to see. I was talking with Jane Demaraki, one of the elders here at Linwood, uh, after she did the prayer, you'll see the prayer later, and she said something to the effect of, the pandemic has been an awful thing but there are good things. Maybe the best thing is that we're not taking things for granted. Maybe the best thing is that we're not taking things for granted. And I agree with her, as hard and as difficult as, as it has been, there have been joys that I've heard so many of you speak about. And maybe it's the reconnection with family members over Skype because life slowed down enough. Or maybe it's just the fact that life slowed down from its breakneck pace. Or perhaps it's the opportunity for all of us to become technologically savvy, huh? Life that pops up in these uncertain, desolate places is no other than God at work. Thank you, God.
invite you to continue to take time to give thanks to God who has been our help in every season, who cares for this world and who gives life abundantly in the orderly places and in the wilderness. My hope for you is that you take time to maybe share these joys because there can be no shortage of that. Share your joy. Share what is going well. Share it because sharing the good things is just one small part of imagining how our life is shaped by gratitude. Share it with others so that others might also begin to think about these good things and celebrate with joy as well. Let's pray. Lord God, between the words that I have said and the words that have been heard and the things that have been thought and the, and the emotions that have been felt, the stories that have come to mind, memories that have flittered across our mind, I pray that you are powerfully present in all of these things. In Jesus' name we pray.